That's right, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the Untitled Jeff Gluck Podcast. I am your host, Jeff Gluck, and it's a social spotlight today with Motorsport.com's Jim Utter. Now, you may know Jim from Twitter. You may even be blocked by Jim on Twitter, which is, uh, I think, makes him a very interesting interview for the social spotlight because he's willing to to uh, do some combat there on Twitter and and get into the weeds and argue with people about all sorts of things. Uh, rarely does he ever back down from an opinion, um, but it's very interesting. You know, his social media strategy is obviously different, and I wanted to talk to him about that. Actually, I've I've been wanting to ask him some of these questions for quite some time, and it just happened to be I had a recorder running essentially for this one. So appreciate him being willing to do this and um, not be like, all right, why, why does he want me to do this interview? And, you know, is he trying to make me look bad? Because, you know, Jim and I have had our differences in the past, as have many people with him on Twitter. But uh, for now, we're all sorted out and he was willing to do this. So take a listen about what Jim Utter has to say about his Twitter usage. All right, everybody. Um, I'm here with Jim Utter. We're sitting at Talladega Super Speedway. We're ignoring uh single car single car uh qualifying right now it's um this is more thrilling i think for me because i finally get to ask jim some questions i'm genuinely curious about jim uh first of all how are you doing good very good thank you i hope you're not too um you're too wary of me my intentions with this but i really do want to know these answers so thanks for agreeing to talk about it no it's no problem i actually i'm looking forward to answering them okay good (laughs) so uh Jim, I mean, uh, um, on Twitter, let's start first of all. Uh, you know, what is your general general philosophy when it comes to using Twitter? I mean, it, are you using it as sort of your business account, personal account, mix of both? How do you look at it? Well, um, I don't know if you remember this, but I was actually one of the last NASCAR beat writers to go on Twitter. Oh, I didn't remember that. Because yeah, I vigorously resisted doing so. Um more because uh, I saw it as like a more of a personal thing, like someone kind of, oh, they call it social media, you know what I mean? And at the time, I just wasn't really interested in it, but uh, or didn't interest me. And then I started to get some blowback from the office about utilizing it as a kind of a work-related tool. And so I really only got on Twitter because I was kind of encouraged by work to start doing it. And, um, but I told them when I did it, I was like, you know, look, this is going to be me. Uh, I'm not um, going to try to pretend to be somebody else. I'm not going to try to not say stuff uh, because I always thought and viewed it as you're just supposed to be as a representation of myself, what I like, what I don't like, how I feel. Um, at, but at the same time, I always viewed it as something where I didn't really, and I still don't understand to this day why people do this. I don't think it should be used as an as a escape mechanism to say nasty things to people that you wouldn't otherwise say to their face. Um, so... I was one of the last to get on. So when I did, my theory was I was just going to tweet about what I was doing, work-related, uh, the racing stuff. I tried. We At one time, you know, there were so many people on Twitter 
NASCAR media when there was more that there was a running joke. I know you remember this. Like you would say caution and 17 people would say caution on Twitter all at the same time because we were all right. So my thing was always during races was to try to listen and tweet things that other people weren't necessarily tweeting about. Like I would try to, and I still do this to some extent, tweet snippets from radio conversations and stuff. Uh, I try, I do keep track of the race on race days, but I try not to just, you know, here's the lineup, here's the, you know, uh, or caution. I mean, and sometimes you still do that, but I can understand the other perspective of people looking at their timeline, watching it blow up with the same exact tweet 15 times if you're following 15 different NASCAR media people. So, um, and then, and I think I may have told you this before. While I was still at the Observer, uh, I went to a Pointer Institute seminar about um, tweeting, and uh, it was like a webinar, I guess. It was through your computer, and uh, the people who put it together uh, basically said that the best they they found that the best use of one's Twitter, um, if you are also using it for work, was to use the one third rule, which is. About one-third of the time, you tweet about the work that you're doing, uh, the, the actual work that you're doing that goes on Twitter or sending out links, stuff like that. One-third about the things that you like, dislike, your own personal stuff. Like, you know, I, uh, I uh, travel and visit lighthouses. I follow a um, big Civil War buff. Um, shows that I watch on TV or, you know, I've met WWE people and been, been to see the voice taped in Los Angeles. So I tweet about that a lot. And one third, uh, uh, communicating with the people that you follow. So I've kind of followed that. Um, I've never been one, uh, I know you do this, but I've never been one to think about having your own personal account to follow because I kind of figure like, it's probably hard enough to get somebody to follow me anyway. I don't need to ask them to do it twice, you know? Well, it's funny because like, I, I, uh, like I don't watch the voice and I always try to keep up with your hashtags and try to mute them. So I'm like, gosh, he utters tweeting about the voice again. How do I, I know, how do one I, time, one time you said something on Twitter about it and I responded to you for somebody who's so social media savvy. It's kind of odd that you would criticize a show that, is one of the best at utilizing social media. Well, it's because just they, they well, incorporate Twitter when they get to their live shows. It's just funny because, like, you know, sometimes, like, uh, Peter King or something from the NFL, like, sometimes yeah. they'll start tweeting about his dog or coffee or something. And, like, I really don't care about his, you know, because <laughs> at least in NASCAR, we I know all everybody or something like right. that. But, I'm like, dude, I'm just really following you for the NFL news, man. Like, I do not need to know about your dog. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I understand. I mean, I understand that there's people who follow you for a particular reason. But my response generally to people who say that is that it's my Twitter. It's And work is only part of what I do. It's only part of me. Um, and you would be surprised, as many people as you might get who say, man, I don't want to hear about that crap or so blah, blah, blah. I get just as many people. I have people who send me rant. They go visit a lighthouse. They send a random picture, send it to share it with me. They ask me if I know which one it is, if I've been there and visited it. I've had people. Um, we have a lot of people within the NASCAR community who are also big Civil War buffs. Um, and 
even drivers and stuff. And so uh, I get comments and stuff uh, when I post pictures if I'm visiting somewhere or something. And uh, you'd be surprised. There's a few that follow The Voice, too, but they don't always tweet about it. <laughs> well, in addition to your lighthouse picks and the Civil War stuff, um, you're also known for rarely backing down from your opinions on Twitter. If you have an opinion, you're going to state it. And then if other people disagree, you're going to take them on. You're not just going to say, okay, yeah, that's fine. You know, you have, you're going to say no, you know, and you'll, you'll go back at them and uh, back and forth with them. The arguments, I mean, do you enjoy that part of it? Do you like going back and forth with people? Or are you just frustrated that they're like not seeing your point of view? I have no, absolutely no problem going back and forth with people. In fact, I, en I enjoy it where I draw, <clears throat> where I draw the line is if you can't, have a civil conversation without turning to profanity and and calling people names and stuff or just you know people saying well that's just stupid you're a dumbass and all this look opinions are opinions that's what they are they're supposed to be what you think you're not if if your opinion can be swayed every time by somebody disagreeing with you then you really don't have an opinion you're just going with the flow so, I mean, when people say well, you never back down from your opinion, that's probably because if it's a, I mean, there's a difference to me between things that are factual and can be looked up and, and decided whether they're right or wrong or things that, um, uh, that are true opinions where it's just me or you or whoever stating what they think the situation is or is not. Um, and it's all right to disagree with people. But, uh, and I know you hear a lot, I mean, you hear people t complain about me blocking them, but I can promise you uh, that every person who complains about that said something really nasty in their tweet. And usually I send them a reminder of what they sent. And they don't usually, as it, usually what I do is send the reminder before I block them. Okay. <laughs> so like, if you're wondering why, this is why. Uh, and, you know, and people complain all the time. The kind of funny thing is, is not so much now, but when I was at the Observer, there were people that I blocked who said really nasty things. And they would complain to my editor. And he would be, he'd look, you can look up my timeline. And he'd be like, uh, well, you said this. Well, he didn't have to take it so, you know, seriously. Like, you know, you choose, you choose your line. You're at, we're all responsible for what we say. Um, but there were people who, who ended up saying something to me and I blocked who went to the observer website. Cause I don't know if you remember this way. If, if you write bylines at the observer in the paper and online had your email address underneath who would email me and apologize and ask me if I would unblock them. Wow. And honestly, did you do it? Honestly, I, I have relented a couple times. Uh, and I don't make a big deal about it. You know, I'm like, look, if somebody's willing to make, realize that they made a mistake and can carry on a conversation without being a jerk about it, you know, that's okay. Now, some people say some things that are really nasty. I mean, you, everybody gets this. And I'm just like, uh, no, sorry, you had your chance, you know, one and done. So, um, do you ever worry that like, uh, you know, you've blocked too many people or like if you have a story that you need to get out there that it could impact your, I mean, it's probably a negligible amount of the overall scheme of page views or something, but are you ever like, man, you know, uh, those, whatever, however many people could add up to some number if they all clicked on some story, you know? Yeah. No, because in general, um, 
and you know, this wouldn't necessarily be true for you because you're kind of branched out on your own now. But for me, far more people see what I write by going to motorsport.com and looking it up various ways or having it shared on Facebook because we have a Facebook thing and uh, and their Twitter account than ever see it just from mine, even if I do have a lot of followers. Because you, you also have to realize this, um that even even with you like using a personal account, there's still people who follow you on your other account that don't follow that might not necessarily always just read every NASCAR thing you write. And that's the other thing. It's like Twitter to me is a tool, but it's not the only tool. And it frustrates me sometimes. And I've had this conversation with you of trying to make generalizations about the fan base or the world in general or whatever based on who shows up on Twitter because, you know, everybody is not on it and everybody who uses it is not on it at the same time. So it's never really a fair, accurate... I mean, it's it's a method of gauging response, but it's not an necessarily an accurate method for gauging response. The funny thing to me is how many people, and you've probably run into it, who actually believe that most people are on Twitter. And it's really, well, honestly, it's like less than 20% yeah. or something. Yeah, it's, it's very small. And then you take that number and then divide it down to a NASCAR fan, right? 20% of the general population what level of that is a NASCAR fan who's on Twitter? It just, you know, the number just keeps getting smaller, 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 smaller. So the world that you're talking to is really not that big in the general sense. But when we, before Twitter existed, we never had a method to communicate with people, fans, other drivers, people in the sport, other sports. Yeah, you'd have to wait for a letter to the oh, editor. Exactly, a letter to the editor, or they emailed you when, when email came around. That's the part, I think, that has changed the dynamic, with is, and it has made it that people, even if it's an unrepresentative sample, and even if it's not the majority, they still have a method to communicate with you that they never had before. And so I try to appreciate that, but at the same time, I also try to keep in mind that it's not necessarily a representative sample of all that, um, you know, all of, uh, of all that's going on. And the one, the one thing I saw was very interesting was, um, you know, NASCAR has the fan survey that's entirely not anything to do with Twitter or social media, the fan council thing. And then, and the responses the fan council gets are in many times, and I've, seen some of the stuff dramatically different than from say a t random Twitter poll. So, you know, that's why I say you're talking to a group of people who happen to be on Twitter at that moment. They may all agree at that moment that it's a bad thing, but you have to remember why you follow people too. Do you necessarily follow a bunch of people that you don't like what they say? Generally not, right? It, 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 not work-related, but on your personal side, you're generally following people that you're interested in, like what they say, share their opinion, maybe share their politics. So you're not, in general, going to expose yourself to people who have uh, contrary views, which is why many times on social media, everybody always seems like they're complaining about something. Because that's they're hearing something that they didn't, they don't like to hear it generally. Well, and what's interesting, I think, about the, this sort of echo chamber concept for Twitter 
is that I really feel like even though the, the data may be different from what NASCAR sees in the fan council, it doesn't it feel sometimes like NASCAR makes decisions or reactions on stuff based on what they're all seeing on Twitter. So it's sort of like this very powerful thing. And you're right. It may not be representative of what's really going on. Then NASCAR makes a decision. Then all of a sudden people are mad and they're like, well, what happened? Everybody on Twitter felt this way, you know? And that's the reason is, is because all the people who were fine and dandy with it didn't say anything. I have no reason to complain. I'm happy with what they did. Then you make, then they make the decision. And then the other side is what you hear from because they're the ones that are upset now because you changed it. I didn't want it to change, but it's the truth. If you look back on letters to the editor at the newspaper, most people don't write in to say something's wonderful. They write in because they don't agree with something. There are exceptions, of course, but let's face it, in general, if you look at even responses to stories online, most people are saying something contrary to the premise of the article. They don't agree with it. They think it should be more this way, less that way. Most of them don't sign on to say, you know, this is the best thing I ever read. That's right. You know, I mean, sometimes they do. Some people, you know, you write a great story, you'll get people who... um, call you out on Twitter and say, you know, Jeff really wrote a really, uh, you should really check out this story to Jeff. It's really good. But by and large, that's not what you see. So, um, you know, people that are listening to this, uh, maybe, um, haven't heard a lot of interviews of you talking. They're familiar with you tweeting, right? They don't, you know, you don't get to hear people's real tone of voice a lot from Twitter. They might be thinking, wow, Jim Utter, he seems like pretty nice guy. He's, uh, you know, a lot different than I thought on, on Twitter. Um, do you ever view it like do you view your your real life persona and your Twitter persona as the same thing like is that just how your tone's coming out or do you play it up like do you play it up as a as a character at all um, from the from the Twitter thing you know do you know what I'm getting at I don't, I don't try to change I just think it's more of how your if your only interaction with me is on Twitter like if you never hear me speak or you've never met me in person or maybe you don't even read many of my articles for instance but the only time you come across what I do is on Twitter and maybe most of the time it appears like I'm in an argument with somebody right I mean so you probably think that guy's a jerk every time I turn around Twitter he's arguing with somebody but that's what we do you know I mean that's part of our jobs we all have our opinions and we share each other Um, if someone and I've actually joked about this with NASCAR people who'll say you know man I hate that tweet I I really hated that tweet I say you know what wait next time that happens wait five minutes and I promise you I'll have moved on to something else you know what I'm saying you get too wrapped up in things Um, you know the other thing I can't stand about is being corrected about spelling first of all I don't I don't get graded on spelling on Twitter I don't get any prize if I spell correctly don't get paid more don't get paid a dime to tweet by the way it's not in my you know it's, that's just what I part of what I do um, so I don't care about spelling on Twitter you know I don't care that I use the wrong verb tense or anything I just the things that irk people sometimes are just really strange to me why you would even care it's like writing on facebook do you check your grammar before you do a post i mean i'm, I'm like you know and and you know and, and just like on facebook i don't i use facebook generally more for family and stuff i don't really do too much with work sometimes i'll share articles but you know you'll get people who are like 
well, that was a crappy picture. You should have taken, used a better camera. I'm like, well, I don't have a better camera. That was the camera I had. Thanks, though, you know. I'm just like, everybody's so, I don't know. Everything doesn't have to be perfect. And I think if we were just accept that not everything is and everybody has faults and we just have to get past them. So uh, one last thing, I guess, if, if some people are like, okay, uh, they heard this and they're like, man, Jim, uh, can you unblock me? Uh, how, how can they get through to you? Do you, do you want people to email you or, or what, what can they do? Uh, if, if you've been blocked and you really have a good reason why you shouldn't be, you can email me at jim.utter at motorsport.com. But, um, and to be honest with you, you know, I, I, I have this little comeback when people say, Jim Utter blocks everybody on Twitter. And I'll be like, I have like almost 60,000 followers. So you're saying I'd have 125 or 300,000 followers if I unblocked everybody? I can promise you that's not the case. Okay. <laughs> well, thank you for coming and uh, explaining your, your uh, side of things. I appreciate it. No problem. I enjoyed it. So it's obviously interesting, right? I mean, Jim Utter doesn't want the noise from people who are, are yelling at him on Twitter or whatever, so he blocks them. I, I feel like in my case over the years, uh, I, I haven't had that luxury because uh, I, I need every person I can get. So unless somebody's really over the line, I, I rarely block anybody, you know, aside from spam and, and stuff like that. But, I you know, I think most of my traffic for my site and the things I do do come from Twitter, whereas he was saying from Motorsport, they have a lot of other sources. So he doesn't need the the Twitter audience, essentially, or he doesn't need however many followers he's blocked. So anyway, interesting philosophy, and I appreciate him joining us. This is my final podcast that I will be recording here in the Casita in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Sarah's internship uh, ends at the Children's Hospital here tomorrow, Friday, and then we will pack up and Saturday start driving back to Charlotte, North Carolina. Our apartment is there. Uh, we have a lease through June there. Uh, of course, we will move if she gets a job sooner than sooner than that. But we're just kind of in the waiting process to hear back from the job interview she had last Monday. Um, don't want to jinx that again. So I'm trying not to look too far ahead, but uh, maybe we'll be moving soon again. I don't know. So, uh, it's a kind of interesting time right now, but I do, I, I am going to try to do another post-race podcast after Kansas. I'm not going to Kansas cause I'll be driving cross country, but I'm planning to stop somewhere in Texas that night and watch the race. And then I'm hoping that I can try to figure out a way to do a post-race podcast, hopefully with Jordan Bianchi after the race recorded via Skype and, and put that out. We'll see how that works with the technology. It could be a little bit iffy, but hopefully that can work out. So check that out um, Saturday night or Sunday morning, whenever it gets posted. Um, and then next week, the 12 questions is with William Byron. And the social spotlight is with Matt DiBenedetto, who uh, it happens to be going for the all-star race fan vote. And it's going to be all-star week. So I thought that would be a good timely thing to talk to him. So it's D Burrito on the social spotlight a week from today anyway thanks as always for listening if you feel like leaving a rating please do so on itunes that would help me out a lot anyway until next time uh talk to you soon bye bye